In an AFC West division crossover, I'm joined today by your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast to talk about the Broncos and the Raiders offseasons and how they stack up in the AFC West in the 2021 NFL season. We break it down. We react on today's episode, Locked On Broncos. Listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke, your daily Broncos podcast. One of my favorite things of the season is getting to sit down with the AFC West divisional host for the teams that the Broncos compete against. But every offseason, I have to get together with everybody as well because two times in a season is just not enough. And we're bringing in your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And Q, I tell you what, Broncos fans love you, man. You know, I know that you're. Your boy Q, you're my boy Q, but you're everybody's boy Q, especially in Broncos country. They really like your insight and, and what you bring in terms of being able to cover the Raiders, not to mention your analysis on how you cover the Broncos when we have to cross over. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, man. And, and look, you know it very well. When you're covering a team in the AFC West, you've got to know the division rivals, right? You've got to know the other teams in the division. And so uh, the Denver Broncos have been a thorn in the Raiders' side for many, many, many years, going back to John Elway and all his times that he made the Raider fans feel heartbreak at the Coliseum or there at Mile High. I mean, it didn't matter. It was always something. And so, uh, yeah, man, just getting to know the division is always something that I think is very, very uh, important. And so, yeah, man, talking talking some uh, Denver Broncos is always a good thing. Absolutely. And, and getting into it, Q, you know, one of the things we're going to focus on, just the offseason in general, because the yep. season's not yet here. Teams are going through mandatory minicamp, OTAs, that process is coming on. Now we're just waiting for training camp. And Q, I, I want to ask you about the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm going to throw it to you on, on this side first before we get into any Broncos talking. And really, I look at the Las Vegas Raiders. I, I would say from somebody who covers the division, I was really confused uh, at the beginning of this offseason when all of a sudden the Raiders were making all these changes to their offensive line. They lost several key players. And also they brought in a couple of running backs into, and obviously, you know, Kenyon Drake. But can you help me understand? Can you help Broncos fans understand? What was the thought process behind the Raiders' renovation of the offensive line, which they were damn good last year in terms of being able to run the ball with Josh Jacobs? What right. changed? Well, the thing about it is I was, I think everybody was kind of confused at first when they saw, wait a minute, they're getting rid of, you know, Trent Brown. That made that made sense. But then Gabe Jackson and Rodney Hudson, you kind of scratch your head about, especially Rodney Hudson, the All-Pro center. I mean, that dude has just been the rock for the longest, the anchor of that offensive line. But uh, it was confusing at first. And, and we really didn't have an idea of what they were doing. But when you go back and you look at, one, the play on the field from the Raiders in 2020 and the struggles that Jacobs had to, you know, get tough yards. And uh, he did a really good job of getting – three or four yards when he, you know, he needed to, but there were so many times where he was, he was getting to the line of scrimmage and he's already trying to break tackles, you know? And so they just weren't getting that push that they had been getting years uh, prior to that. They're uh, they were very highly paid, but they weren't really playing at that high pay level, you know, and they had already regressed all the way back to about the 27th ranked uh, run blocking offensive line. So that's not good. You know, I mean, you got 32 teams in the league. 27 is not good. So they had to do something. So what they did is they traded Trent Brown to New England. And Trent Brown was a guy that I expected him to be gone because he was never available. I mean, he just I, I didn't think when they Raiders signed him uh, as a free agent from New England that it was a bad signing. I thought it was great, but he just never seemed to have the desire to be a Raider. I think he's one of those guys where if you you've got to he, he's a Patriot way type guy. You know, I mean, he's, he's <laughs> yeah. The guy who's going to be coached hard, and when they coach him hard, he's going to react, and he's going to he's going to you know do what he he'll be productive. But 
if you kind of let him self-police himself and kind of, you know, just do his own thing, he'll do his own thing. And it won't be what you want him to do. So Trent Brown, uh, not available very much. He goes back to New England, fine. Gabe Jackson, I kind of thought that there was a chance just because of his his paycheck that he might be on the move. And they end up sending him to uh, Seattle. So now he's up there trying to protect Russell Wilson. And uh, I felt when Denzel Good felt in, he filled in, in in 2020 in a lot of different positions, tackle, guard, you know, anything that they really needed him to do, he was able to do. I felt like he deserved to get a contract extension. So when the Raiders were able to, uh, you know, move on from Gabe Jackson and actually trade him, I felt like, okay, Denzel Good will slide into that position. Plus they had John Simpson, fourth round pick out of Clemson from a year ago. So I thought, okay, that's going to be solidified. Richie Incognito comes back. That guard position is solidified. And then Rodney Hudson. And the thing about Rodney Hudson is the Raiders felt really good about Andre James, who was an undrafted free agent guy that they assigned out of UCLA. The thing is, we don't see him. You know, they saw him in practice. And so they knew what they had coming to the table and who he was. And so that was the thing. They felt confident that they can get younger. They can get cheaper. They gave him a three-year contract already. You know, they 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 feel very confident that Andre James is not going to be Rodney Hudson, but he can do a very, very good job and still anchor that offensive line. So it's the younger line. It's a cheaper line. And it's a more athletic line. So Tom Cable did a good job in 2020 filling in for all the parts that were missing and, and making these guys fit the fit the bill. So now he's got another challenge. And you know, Cody, that offensive lines, they have to be cohesive. They have to, you know, they basically do everything. They eat together. They do. I mean, they, they know the left hand knows what the right hand's doing. That's what the biggest task is going to be. And the good thing is that there was OTAs. The good thing is, is there is, you know, the mandatory mini camp. And then they're going to have training camp that's going to look a lot more normal than it did in 2020. So I feel like they have that opportunity to jail like they didn't have in 2020. Well, I even want to throw it to real quickly to uh, Derek Carr. Obviously, you know, every year we have this conversation. There's always a question. I thought that Derek Carr, for the most part, last season played really good football for the yep. Raiders. Probably better than what we've seen since he had that leg injury that uh, honestly on a year where he could have been the MVP that year. Right. Uh, but the thing that I'm looking at, too, is obviously Nelson Aguilar no longer there. Yes, Darren Waller's back. You have Henry Ruggs. You have Hunter Renfro. I mean, what what is the offense looking like with Carr under center? And obviously the, the talent around him we know is good, but – what can we expect this upcoming season, especially with John Brown now being added to the mix? Yeah, you know, and it's funny, man. I wasn't really high on John Brown, um, Smoke, a.k.a. Smoke. And I have to admit, I didn't even realize his nickname was Smoke. I, I guess he's had that for a while, and, and I didn't know that. But Derek Carr met with the media, and uh, he was talking to him and saying that, hey, you're going to get to know this guy as Smoke. Uh, I have a really good relationship with him. He's really, really fast. I'm excited. And he reminds him of Nelson Aguilar, who they lost in free agency to the Patriots. So it sounds like they have a good relationship going, you know, and, and they're already calling him by his nickname. So I kind of feel like that that – when you start calling a guy by his nickname, you kind of have a good relationship with him. Uh, Brian Edwards is a guy that stands out to me that if he can be out there and be healthy, he's very strong. He has strong hands. Um, Derek Carr said he reminds him of Michael Crabtree with the, the hands that he has, just the strength in his hands. If he could be out there and be healthy and be that guy, he might be an X factor where the Raiders didn't pick up Julio Jones. Obviously, he went to Tennessee. I think that they may have been in the conversation with Julio, but it never really got serious. Um, he would have been the number one wide receiver immediately. But if Brian Edwards could be that guy and you got Henry Ruggs that has a season under his belt, Darren Waller, of course, is a stud, like you mentioned. This offense could be pretty nasty, and I like Kenyon Drake being added to the backfield, too. You never take a stud off the field, and you're going to have Jacobs and Drake on the field, and they can do multiple things. I, I, I do believe that this offense can be just as good, if not better, than it was last year. But it all goes back, Cody, to that offensive line. That's got to be – they've got to be a cohesive unit. If they're not, then the Raiders are in trouble. 
Well, and obviously the addition of Alex Leatherwood will be something we'll talk about yep. once we get in season. But now shifting real quickly to the defensive side of the ball, obviously a new philosophy is coming down the pike for the Raiders defensively. Max Crosby's returning. Now you have Yannick Ngakwe there. What are the Raiders looking at defensively this year? I mean, how do you project them maybe to be in 2021? Well, I'll tell you this. They can't be any worse than they were in 2020. <laughs> I mean, seriously, Doc, they were awful. I could tell you at least three games that the defense alone lost. And, and just with that being said, I mean, you, you, you've you got to be better. And that's been the Achilles heel of the Raiders ever since John Gruden returned. I believe uh, every year since he's been back on the sideline, they've been ranked like 32nd, 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 32nd. If not that, close to it. I mean, it's just they're not good defensively. They just haven't been. And they've got a lot of young guys. But Gus Bradley's the new defensive coordinator. He comes over from division rival Chargers. I mean, so he knows the division. He knows who he's up against when the Broncos, the Chiefs, and the, the Chargers. And knows that he's got to make that unit better. And so uh, Ngakwe is a nice piece. Crosby is a nice piece. I think those two could be really, really, really good on the field. I don't know if it's going to be on the field together because they're kind of both suspect against the run. But getting to the quarterback, that's where it's at, man. You got to make these quarterbacks uh, uncomfortable, whoever the quarterback's going to be in Denver. I mean, right now, Drew Locke, Eddie Bridgewater, uh, who knows, other, if it if it ends up, you know, coming to that, who knows. But you got Patrick Mahomes. You got Justin Herbert. You've got to be able to affect these quarterbacks, man. So, I think that Ngakwe is a good pickup. I think Crosby is only going to be better in year three. And I think with the understanding and maybe a simplification of this Raiders defense by Gus Bradley, the guys can go out there and play a little bit faster and a little bit more confident. So they've got to project up. You know, I think technically they were ranked maybe, I don't know, 24th or 25th when you put everything together last year. They've got to be in the teens. They, they really do. To, be, to have a fighting chance in this division, and you know very well, this division has a lot of firepower. To have a fighting chance, you've got to be around 18 to 15 and and hope for the best because man there's so much fireworks that could happen in the afc west we're going to continue our conversation with q coming up here in just a moment he's going to ask me some questions related to the denver broncos but before we get to that i have to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode of the show that's our good friends over there betonline.ag and betonline is the fastest and easiest way to place your bets on all your sports action Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. So get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs into the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code Locked On. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Well, we're looking forward to seeing it. And obviously, I get a chat with you two times this upcoming season here in 2021, talking about what's going on with the Raiders. I know that because I cover the division, I cover a team of the division, I'm always keeping an eye on how the division is kind of playing out. But, you know, Q, uh, let's flip the script here a little bit. You know, the Denver Broncos, you know, I know you probably have a lot of questions as it pertains to maybe what Denver has to offer this upcoming season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, man, and, and it's it's funny because obviously the most questions are always going to be at the quarterback position because. <laughs> You know, Drew Locke is a guy that I like him. I think he's got ability, but I always say he's a guy that I felt like is going to give you an opportunity to, to get a couple turnovers a game. You know, he's going to he's going to put the ball in harm's way a couple times a game, uh, and the Raiders saw that firsthand, and we're able to create a couple turnovers off of him. So now, Jeff Heath, don't even remind me of that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just it just kind of is what it is. But Teddy Bridgewater's there. He's he's in my opinion, just my opinion, no more than masking tape. I mean, he's just a just kind of like a band aid on a on a situation. So Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, or other, who would you say has the better opportunity of being the starting quarterback for the Broncos in 2021? I know that's a million-dollar question. 
Well, you know, there's a lot riding it. And by the time this actually drops, I wonder, you know, we, we might have more clarity, but obviously the Broncos have been linked to some rumors with Aaron Rodgers. Really, it depends on whether or not the Packers are going to be willing to trade him. I don't think that they will. I think that they're going to they're gonna hold firm on that, but Rodgers may just, you know, sit out. He may not even play in 2021. So I've been really focused, you know, despite the rumors going on with Rodgers, I've really been focused on the two quarterbacks on the roster and Drew Locke and Teddy, you know, and, and Drew, the thing I, I think that Drew is going to probably be the guy this year because you invest a lot in him, that second-round pick. As you mentioned with Teddy Bridgewater, he's a veteran guy. It wouldn't hurt if Teddy Bridgewater was on the field. Like, if Drew Locke didn't win the starting job, I don't think the Broncos would necessarily be in a bad position with Teddy because of the fact that, look, if they can have a solid running game this season, and in terms of the offensive line being more solidified, you have Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams as maybe a, a one-two punch there. And then all the receivers that you have coming back, I mean, obviously, Corden Sutton returning from injury, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy entering year two. I mean, it's a route running clinic. You have so many different guys, and obviously not to mention the tight end position. So Denver offensively, if they can run the football well, I think it takes pressure off the quarterback position. Now, if Drew Locke is the guy, I think the Broncos will air it out, but it comes down to Drew Locke being better with his decision-making. That's really been his biggest issue. Now, he's made some changes this offseason to his game, his stance out of the shotgun. Rather than being a right-foot-forward guy, he's more even-killed now. Rather than having a foot back, he's just he's, he's balanced and he's even. That should help out with some of his footwork issues that he's had in terms of consistency. But it all comes up to here with the mental processing and being able to, you know, not throw it into triple coverage at times because he'll make a great play. And then the next play, he'll be like, what are you, you know, it's like, what are you doing? That's the thing for Drew Locke. And I think that the discussion has been very divisive amongst Broncos fans this whole offseason. Spend quarterback this, quarterback that. But the Broncos have really built a really good team in my opinion, Q, around Drew Locke and around the talent uh, that this Broncos team has, both on offense and defense. You know, and Jerry Judy is a guy that uh, I, I really respect. I like him a lot coming from Alabama. Obviously, he's a second-year guy now in Denver. And he had a case of the drops, you know. And I think that was just concentration issues. I know he came out and said something about trying to make a play before he actually caught the ball. How much better do you think and do you expect Jerry Judy to be in year two, knowing that, hey, my biggest issue in year one was just concentration? Oh, man, I tell you what, the amount of quarterbacks that Jerry Judy played with his rookie season, four different guys throwing in the ball, for him to put up the numbers he did, that's impressive. I expect him to get over a 1,000 yards receiving this upcoming year, but all reports out of Broncos minicamp and mandatory uh, minicamp practice has been that he has been unstoppable. I mean, his route running ability is there. Now, if he could just focus, as you mentioned, the concentration drops. When I went back and watched a lot of film on Jerry last year, most of the drops that he had, outside of a few, where really his eyes weren't looking at the ball and he, he was trying to make a play upfield. I, I saw that on the film. There were obviously a couple drops, but he's been really focused on that this offseason. I mean, his route running ability is impeccable. I even referenced the Raiders game. Watching him just in reps, I don't know if the Raiders or anybody for that matter can really cover Jerry Judy one-on-one because he's always going to find a way to get open. It's all about even just a, an inch of separation is all he needs or even just to be able to post up quickly on a smoke route, which we saw that a couple times against the Raiders and obviously the 92-yard touchdown pass on a on a deep crossing pattern. Jerry's a fun player to watch. Vic Fangio has noted how much he's mentioned that he's seen a little bit of maturation with Jerry Judy so far in year two. He's more focused, more locked in. And I tell you what, if I'm a DBQ, regardless, I mean, I played DB back in the day. I don't, I, I wouldn't want to cover him. It's hard because I, I know he's going to make me look silly. I'll tell you what, that 92-yard touchdown pass should never happen. I mean, it should just never happen. You know what I mean? Like, the defense can't be fooled that bad. And I get it. You know, great route runner. But 92 yards? Like, really? That was incredible. Well, I can't believe the Broncos still lost that game. I mean, considering the fact that the offense was actually doing okay. The defense yeah. even forced turnovers, but... 
they couldn't get stops and and their secondary was really depleted at the time when uh that week 17 regular season matchup and at Q the funny thing about it that game almost ended reminiscent of the year prior in the regular season yep. finale it comes yep. down to a two-point conversion, the same exact play. And during the game, I was tweeted because in that first game, Shelby Harris deflected the pass. Right. I had said it before John Gruden called the timeout. I said, they're, they're running up in that same play. They're going to run that same formation. Sure enough, they ran the same formation. Gruden calls timeout. The Broncos end up blowing a timeout due to not having the right personnel on the field. And then Derek Carr converts. Right. Same exact concept. And, and I tell you, yep. what, it's just ironic how it, how it came down. But it, it's just a battle. I mean, that's what you're going to get every time the Broncos and the Raiders play. Right, exactly. And that was funny how that that ended. And it was basically the same way two years in a row, just different results. The Broncos win the first year and the Raiders win in 2020. Let me ask you this, because you mentioned a depleted secondary. Well, the Broncos did something about that depleted secondary in the draft, and they went out and got another Alabama guy and Patrick Sertain, who, in my opinion, was the best defensive back in the draft. That's just me. I, I, I will admit I'm a guy who loves Alabama, so maybe that's that's me. But how exciting is it to have that dude who could potentially be that lockdown guy? And how much is he going to help in that Vic Fangio defense? Man, it's crazy because all the reports out of camp, even from players, like, hey, he's he's the real deal. He's a physical freak of nature. He's not he's not built like a cornerback. He's built like a safety, but has the speed and athleticism of a corner. So, I mean, he could do a variety of different things in Vic's defense, play on the outside, play on the inside, maybe play safety at times. I mean, but we have no idea right now. And you mentioned Patrick Sertan. I mean, we go back to that Broncos secondary in that Week 17 game last year. The schedule is so – I mean, the, the roster is so different right now at that position because the Broncos had Michael Ojemudia starting. He was a starter all, most of the last season. Parnell Motley was an undrafted rookie guy that just signed off the practice squad that week. And then all of a sudden now you have Patrick Sertan. You have Bryce Callahan back. You have Kyle Fuller. And then you have Ronald Darby as one of your offseason signings as well. Denver has four or five deep guys at cornerback that even if you lose one guy, you're not necessarily going to be hurting because the quality is great. It's a good problem to have for the Broncos. And, and there's some talk that with Vic's defense, if guys like Von Miller, Bradley Chubb stay healthy and that secondary stays healthy, there's a chance that they could be one of the top defenses in the league. And they're having a great you know, offseason so far. In minicamp, all we heard about was interception this, interception that. I mean, that's what they were doing. They were taking the ball away. Sertan's going to be a very great addition to watch. I'm excited to watch him just because he's a physical freak of nature. But his, tech, his technical ability is something as a DB guy. I love watching. I can't wait to see it. Right. And I mean, Vic Fangio, uh, you want to talk about a, a, a top notch defense. He's going to get one. He's going to get a top notch defense. I mean, that's just kind of who he is. I mean, a guy that was a defensive coordinator in the in the league for so many years before he was ever a head coach. He, he knows what he's doing with defense. Yeah. How big is it for that secondary that the Broncos were able to come to terms with Justin Simmons on a long term deal as well and have that guy on the back end as kind of the eraser just in case there are any blown coverages? Oh, it was huge, Q, and, and and the reason why, you know, there I think there was a philosophy thought process here. You know, there was some real concern if John Elway was the GM still, Justin Simmons wouldn't have been locked up to a long-term deal because the Broncos have had this issue of not really paying homegrown players, in-house players, because right. they're always looking for a di you know a different number on the market. And obviously, we knew the the free agency market due to COVID, the offseason, everything like that, and revenue and the salary cap. It impacted that. So I don't know if the Broncos would have been able to bring Justin back, but George Payton came in right away as the new GM and said, hey, Justin Simmons, he is our top priority right here. He and Von Miller and Shelby Harris, he took care of that. And so the Broncos, they're bringing these guys back that they feel like can be useful for years to come. Now, Justin Simmons, obviously younger out of the entire bunch. They really love what Justin Simmons does for them on the field and off the field. 
He is the perfect representation of what the Broncos organization wants in their players in both aspects. So having Simmons back, who's a ball hawk, he, he's not just a free guy. He can come up and play against the run. He's proven to be one of the best safeties in the NFL. And the Broncos, you know, making the investment to keep him long term, have to continue to see if it continues to pay off. Before we jump into the fourth quarter action of today's episode of the show with your boy Q, I got to tell you about the two other sponsors of today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. It's a good friends over there, Built Bar and rockauto.com. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. You know why? Because the bars, they're covered in 100% milk chocolate. They're soft and they're easy to chew, and they taste just like a candy bar with nine amazing, delicious flavors. My personal favorite being the peanut butter brownie, the salted caramel, and the double chocolate. They have a flavor for everybody. The thing I like about Bill Bar, outside of it tasting great, is that it's healthy for me as well. Anytime I'm on the go, I'll grab a Bill Bar if I haven't eaten breakfast or lunch and I need something to pick me up or help me get through my day. I take a bite in a Bill Bar and I get a combination of a dessert essentially for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and also something that's going to be healthy for me as well as I continue to work out and go through a lifestyle regimen change. Built Bars are healthy for you because they contain 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar. And I want you to get your hands on a box of Built Bar today by going to BuiltBar.com. Using promo code LOCK15, it's going to get you 15% off your next order. Once again, promo code LOCK15 is going to get you 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Com. And our good friends over there, rockauto.com, a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com right now to shop for hundreds of parts for your truck or your vehicle. And the thing I like about rockauto.com the most outside of their amazing customer service, the fact that I have different variety. They have everything you could be looking for for your vehicle, whether it's an engine control module, brake part, tail lamp, motor oil, or even new floor mats. For my vehicle that I purchased about a couple months ago, rockauto.com delivered it straight to my door. I didn't even have to pay too much as well because the prices are always reliably low and they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts elsewhere when you can go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck? And write Lockdown Broncos in there. How did you hear about us, Box, so that they know that we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's funny and I'm just going to I mean, this is just like a, a joke, but it's it's still pretty funny uh, that Von Miller in in his uh, his greatness, all his greatness, as he is a great player, uh, love Von Miller. Uh, but he's having his you know, he has his uh, his academy, his sacks summit, and he has it in Las Vegas and multiple Raiders are there learning from Von Miller. I just find it funny to see Raiders learning from Broncos. And I'm sure some of the Bronco fans are like, wait a minute, Von, don't teach them too much. Don't let Max Crosby know your tricks to the trade. Don't don't teach them too much. How much kind of conversation was there around some of the Raiders being in attendance at Von Miller's camp? Ah, uh, you know, there there is always that competition, that conversation. I mean, it really started with I, I think back in the day, Larry Fitzgerald held used to hold wide receiver summits and, yeah. and teaching them things. And everyone's like, hey, why are they doing that? But really, I think for Von Miller, he learned it from Demarcus where the ability to give back to younger players and, and to teach yeah. them because really those positions, it's like a fraternity in a sense. Right. And so you're starting to see a little bit more of this. There was a tight end you this offseason. There might be a wide receiver you or a DBU coming up, you know, things like that. But you know, it's really just kind of sharing, hey, this is what works for me. Now, it's not going to obviously apply to, to everybody because of the fact that Von Miller has a different skill set more so than Max Crosby. My, Max Crosby might be more of that physicality type guy rather than the speed rush that Von has, the dip. Uh, I think it really just varies. But, yeah, Broncos fans, they had a really good time with it. They're like, hey, why is uh, the, the Las Vegas Raiders beat reporters talking about Von Miller? And so it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, well, he's in Vegas. He's holding this pass rush summit. Right. No, I thought that was funny. I thought it was cool, though, because like you said, it is a it is a fraternity and really the NFL is a fraternity anyway. But just to see these guys that are great, like Von Miller, 
showing the young dudes like a Max Crosby, who I think has an opportunity to be great. You know, he just got to go out there and work. I think it shows a lot about Vaughn. I think it shows a lot about the guys across the league that show up. They have respect for him and and they want to be great like he is. And so that I think that that goes. I mean, you can take a lot from it, but I thought that that was pretty cool. So I was actually happy to see uh, Max Crosby out there and hope he does learn a little bit more because you can never stop learning, especially in the league. You know that uh, it's, it stands for not for long. So if you can you know prolong your career a little bit longer by learning a little bit more tricks. That's a good thing. Q, let's get into our final topic of discussion on today's episode of the show. We talked about the Broncos. We talked about the Raiders. But let's talk about this division because I feel like every year we have this conversation. This division looks like it could be one of the best in football. And oftentimes, sometimes one record of one team doesn't indicate it. But we look at the NFL opening up the playoffs to an additional wildcard team. I look at the AFC North and I look at the AFC West. I feel like there could be a legitimate case that three teams from one of these divisions will represent in the AFC playoffs this upcoming year. We talked about where the Broncos are at, where the Raiders have been. We talk about the Los Angeles Chargers. They have a brand-new head coach in Brandon Staley, and they've undergone a lot of changes. Obviously, especially after a big year Justin Herbert had last year, he lit up the NFL world. Entering his sophomore season, I think there's a lot of questions about this Chargers team, but they're returning a lot of key guys that they didn't get last year on the defensive side of the ball with Durbin James. In comparison to also the Kansas City Chiefs, who apparently the salary cap is a myth. It doesn't exist. They're adding everybody left and right. But defensively, you know, they're bolstered up. They're in a pretty good position. The offensive line, they've revamped it. I mean, where where do we see the Broncos and the Raiders really fitting inside the AFC West right now? Man, that's a really good question. I mean, it really is a good question because Justin Herbert looks like he's the real deal, right? I mean, he looks like he is a real deal quarterback. Obviously, he was forced into action uh, by no... No, 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 you know, accident. Well, it was an accident. It was just, you know, it was unfortunate. Let's put it like that. Unfortunate situation. But he gets thrown into action and he just shines. And so I think that the Chargers have a great opportunity to be really, really good. My only question is, you bring in the head coach Staley, who is a defensive minded guy, you know what I mean? And so I'm like, wait a minute, your your best possession or your best weapon you have on your team is your quarterback. He's your guy. And there's there's some great players on that team. Don't get me wrong. But your main dude, the way that your butter is going to get bred is through that quarterback. So I just want to see how he develops in year two and how he takes another offensive coordinator, another system. And I know he's got a really good OC there as well. So, you know, if, if he's able to pick it up, that offense, really quickly, I think that the, the, the division, man, it's going to be a really, really tough race. I mean, you got to look at it like, okay, Kansas City's the cream of the crop. They're the best one in the division uh, until they're proven that they're not. And then I think it's a battle between the Raiders and the Broncos, I think, you know, and the Chargers. I'm sorry. I think really it comes down to all three. And I think really the Broncos, once they really identify who their quarterback is, then it's, you know, I mean, then there's a, then there's a, you can put them up there and say, okay, it's going to be a three man race for, for second. Um, I, until they identify their quarterback for sure. And everyone kind of knows who they're going to roll with. If it's Teddy B, if it's Drew Locke, if it's other, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a question, but, I think that the Raiders offense coming back is pretty fire. I think they have a question, obviously, defense. Can their defense be improved? If it is, then boom, they have an opportunity to be number two. But really, it could be a three-headed monster for that second place in, in AFC West. And, hey, if Kansas City slips and drops a couple games, they have a lot of new as well as far as that offensive line goes. Maybe we're seeing a change into the guard. I mean, I, I, I don't want to say that that's going to happen just because Patrick Mahomes is so young and so good. But, man... This division is going to be one of the best, I think, in football. That's about time, too. I mean, I, I think it would be great. It would be par for the course that the Kansas City Chiefs don't become that favorite in the AFC West. I mean, obviously they are, but it would be nice if that sort of, you know, kind of dropped off a little bit. And, and look, I think the, the Raiders, I mean, we saw them two times last season play the Chiefs really tough. You go into Arrowhead, you win one game. You have a shootout in Las Vegas, yeah. and that game kind of slipped from them late. I mean, they they 
pretty much should have won that shit. They pretty much should have swept Kansas City. Yep. And, and so I think just a lot of missed opportunities, but that's the beauty of the game is that one or two wrong plays here or there can really change the outcome. Uh, but that's why I like talking football with you, Q, and that's why uh, Broncos fans love you, man, because you got a really great insight as to what's going on with the NFL, the Las Vegas Raiders, and even the teams inside the AFC West. And I thank you so much for joining me for this special offseason crossover. And this season, we're going to get together two more times, man, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. And, and final thing on, this, on the, the division, it doesn't matter what the records are or how good the teams are. They beat up on each other anyway. I mean, every team in that division, the AFC West, they get up for each other, and they're ready to beat the snot out of each other. So, I mean, it don't matter what the records are. Uh, there, there's there's going to be some L's and some W's that are going to be handed out during during the, the, the season. So, yeah, man, I'm excited about it, and it's always great to talk to you and talk to Broncos country as well. Man, and you even get Broncos country. That's why Broncos fans love you even more, Q. But Broncos country, if you want to listen a little bit more about what Q has to say, the locked, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Locked On Raiders podcast, you can get on your favorite audio podcasting platform, and you can follow Q on Twitter at yourboyq254. Q, thank you so much, my man, as always. Can't wait to talk with you this season. Absolutely, my man. Appreciate you. It's always fun to get together.